Hello and welcome to episode 52 of Command Space on 5x5. I am Mike Hurley and I have the pleasure of being joined today by Serenity Caldwell. Hi, Serenity. Hi, Mike. Thanks for coming on today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. So, Serenity, why don't you tell people uh, what you like to be known for? What I like to be known for? Oh, mm-hmm. gosh. I have a, I have a choice. <laughs> you do. Um, uh, primarily, uh, what, what people might know me for on the Internet, uh, I work for Macworld uh, Magazine and Macworld.com doing uh, their ebook program. Uh, so I'm putting together all of uh, the how-to content that Macworld puts out, which is quite a lot. And we're basically packaging it up together in, in nice book form. So we have a nice collection of all of the reading material you might want to reference, say, all of the uh, all of the stuff on Mavericks. We're going to have a book on Mavericks when when it releases this fall. Uh, so that's that's kind of what I do for them. Um, I also I my personal website. I joke I wear many hats, although it has not been updated in a little bit. I'm still of the many hat wearing uh, <laughs> variety. <laughs> it's just it's less it's less internet public these days. But uh, I also write personally. I do short stories. Um, I craft. I roller skate, I play roller derby, um, and uh, a whole bunch of other things. Oh, play music, uh, podcast uh, for the incomparable. I uh, do radio plays now and again. <laughs> uh, a whole host of different things. You have, you do indeed wear many hats, many busy <laughs> hats. Yes. <laughs> so but, go ahead. Oh, it keeps it entertaining. Yes, for sure it does. So I wanted to talk. Um, with you today about about ebooks really um mm-hmm. because of the mad skills that you have when it comes to creating ebooks um, oh stumbling in the dark mostly but i appreciate <laughs> it um i wondered sort of how how did you find your way into this like because you know somebody doesn't decide like 10 years ago that they're going to make ebooks <laughs> i don't think so how did you find your way into to creating ebooks for macworld well, really accidentally, I, I was hired to create ebooks for Macworld, but uh, my process of being hired and, and why my career took that turn is more the interesting path. Uh, I worked for Apple for a couple years, Apple's retail division as what they call a creative, uh, which basically means that you're, you're one of those people sitting in the back of the store teaching people either in a group scenario or one-on-one how to use a certain aspect of your Apple product. So people would come in and say, oh, I want to learn how to use GarageBand or I want to make um, a slideshow using iMovie. Uh, I want to learn how to use Word. And we'd say, well, Word is okay, but really you should try and use Pages. It's so much <laughs> more fun. So I did that for a couple years in college and... Um, was continuing to do that sort of on the side. I've always been a, te- a little bit of a tech geek. And as I was doing that, um, my, my schooling ended. I finished, I graduated, and I went down to, to make a feature film because that was my, my major passion at the time, was working on film and theater. Um, and so I put my job at Apple on hold, and I said, all right, I'm going to go make a feature film. This is going to be my career. This is going to be what I, what I want to do, producing and uh, doing behind-the-scenes work. And 
that went really well for a couple months before the entire project collapsed and I realized that I never wanted to work in feature film, um, at least not as a career. It's, it's a fun place to, to work as a hobby, but for, as a career, it just wasn't working for me. Um, so I was pretty down, on, down in the dumps and low and, and working, you know, thinking, oh, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to go and work for Apple for the rest of my life, which is really not a terrible proposition. But it's at that point, I was still on the East Coast and it was still retail. So I was thinking, well, maybe, you know, it's, it's not the best job, but it's, I really enjoy working with people. And out of the blue on Twitter, I see um, Jason Snell mention, oh, we're looking for bloggers for Macworld. Uh, and I think, well... This is a shot in the dark, and I'm currently a thousand miles away from my job at Apple, so I might as well apply and see what comes of it. And I got a, a response immediately back, and then no responses for three months. Oh, so I assumed... That's <laughs> the worst. Yeah, I was like, well, I guess maybe I'm, I'm not... This is not where my life wants me to go. So I go, I, I go back home to Massachusetts, which my, my college home. I'm from the... the uh, the West Coast, actually, from Southern California. Um, so I go back to Massachusetts, and I beg Apple to take me back and say, "Oh, I'll be, I'll be such a hard worker, and you know, you love me, and please let me come back." And then one week into being back at Apple, I get a response <laughs> from MacWorld, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no, we'd love to have you on as a blogger. Um, here's the minimal amount we can pay you, but you know, it's." It, there's room for improvement and room for, for climbing up the ladder and if you're interested. And that presents me with this big moral dilemma of, well, I just wasted all of my savings on a shoot for the moon kind of project that I really want to do. Do I really want to do another? And my answer was yes, because that's who I am. I'm, I don't like sitting and feeling safe side on things. So I apologized to my Apple friends, but said, sorry guys, I've got this opportunity at Macworld and it'll be great because, and here's the white lie I started telling everybody, in six months they're going to hire me because I'm going to prove to be so awesome. <laughs> and I, I said it more of, more of the way of, oh, well they have a job opening in six months. I have to prove myself by then. And for some reason, Everybody around me bought that and said, oh, yeah, totally. Someone's leaving in six months, something like that. You, you totally got it. We're rooting for you all the way. My parents are sitting in the corner in Southern California with their arms crossed looking at me like I'm a little bit crazy, but kind of shrug and say, you know, that's, that's how it goes. Um, and so I had this big sort of beam of light above my head saying, in six months, I've got to either make this work and get a real job out of it or figure out what I want to do with my life. Um, so I, I started writing a lot of freelance articles for Macworld. And as I did, I started getting to know everybody on the staff because I was just doing whatever came my way. I was doing mostly news, but I would also occasionally write some stuff for their beat editors. And um, I started writing a couple pieces for one of their editors, Heather Kelly, um, who... It just so happened in a few months, uh, needed to hire someone for Macworld's very first ebook editor job. <laughs> so <laughs> in August, Macworld posts that they're looking for a staff editor to work on their new their they had started basically playing around um with these 
compilations called Super Guides, uh, which were started which were started um, by Kelly Turner, who's no longer with the company, uh, but who was a senior editor with MacWorld at the time. And then Heather Kelly um, jumped on board as sort of her associate. And then when Kelly left, Heather became the head of the program. And Heather said, well, I'm, there's no way I'm doing this by myself because it's a lot of work. So we need a new staff editor anyway. Let's have that staff editor be ebooks focused. Um, and I had gotten to know her just enough to think, well, I can totally win her over. I can totally get this job. Everybody knows me by now. I've been trying to make friends on Twitter and really put myself out there. And I just went for it. I think my cover letter was something like, I, I need to be this, this, this job. You, you will regret not hiring me if, <laughs> if it doesn't happen. And, you know, I had no experience, um, no, no on paper experience in print publication or web publication other than some web comics that I worked on and, uh, and my own personal blog, which I'd been keeping on and off since the 90s. Um, but I had no credentials on paper. I had just graduated and I basically just bum rushed my way in with, I think, uh, hard worth, hard working ethics and, uh, and I don't know, good showmanship. <laughs> I, that's, that's the truth. I'm a fraud, <laughs> but no, I, um, I went into it really excited because it was something looking at the, the job description and looking at the kind of things that Macworld was playing with. I had already spent six months freelancing for Macworld and loved the culture and love the people that were working there. Our team is so tightly knit um, that I was, I just looked at them and said, yes, this is absolutely the kind of company that I want to work for. Um, and so there was that to sort of keep me going. And then on the ebook side, I'm saying, well, you know, this is what I loved about working for Apple in terms of helping these pe people who, you know, had maybe never used iTunes before or had just switched to the Mac or had just gotten an iPhone and were ready to have their minds blown by amazing technology that Apple creates and the amazing software that they can use. And have, having, a, um, having a way to do that that didn't involve me actually working in retail sounded like a stellar, stellar option. <laughs> so uh, I, I went into it really being like, oh, well, ebooks, you know, I I've always in the back of my head kind of wanted to go into publishing. Um, when, I was a, when I was younger, I wanted to do uh, uh, children's fiction editing and science fiction editing. I thought the, uh, the editors at Tor were the coolest people ever. Where it's like the the writing science fiction is really awesome, but editing science fiction was like, oh, well, you get to craft the story and and you get to put the narratives together. So going into the ebook position, it was also like, oh, we get to take all of this great how-to content that we've been creating from all of our different writers and craft it so that it has a through line and a narrative vision. And instead of a series of random articles on how to set up various facets of iTunes. It can be a complete how-to music and video super guide or something like that. Um, so I, I, I went into it kind of not knowing what to expect uh, with these grand visions in my head. And it, I also happened to move across the country while I was accepting this job because Macworld was in San Francisco and I was in Western Massachusetts at the time. Um, so I was basically just throwing my entire life to the wind and saying, let's, let's find out what happens. And turns out, um, almost three years later, I think three years, yep, three years, <laughs> been, time, time definitely flies. Uh, but I have learned so much about 
both about um, the world of ebooks and the difficulty in creating an ebook, uh, but also about publishing and about um, what really works in publishing, what really doesn't, um, and and hopefully how to go from there. We're still that's a that's a never ending topic of discussion, as I'm sure you know, talking to to other publishers in the field. Definitely. So. How many books have you worked on? How many super guys have you worked on at Macworld now? Oh, gosh. Um, Too many? Well, uh, yes, <laughs> quite a few. Um, last year, we produced 14 super guides, all of which I had a hand in. Wow. Um, and the past fiscal, we, we do these self-evaluations every year, courtesy our, our corporate overlords. And I think I had to write down how many super guides I'd worked on. I think it was something like 10 or 11 in the last 12 months, and then 14 in the year before that. So it's, I, and then I think seven or eight the year before that. Um, but the, those I was, um, those I was co-editing with Heather Kelly, um, who was really the driving force of the ebook program for the first year that I was working for Macworld. And then she left for, to go take a job at VentureBeat and later CNN. Uh, and once she left, the, the ebook program was kind of on me to be like, here, have fun. <laughs> hope hope you don't mess it up too badly. <laughs> <laughs> so in April, you were on uh, Mac Power Users. Yes. And you were talking a lot about your workflows. And I'll put a link to the episode in the show notes. It was episode 135. Um, and it sounds like a pretty mammoth process. How long, sort of start to finish, does it take you to work on each super guide? That's a good question. Um, the time commitment varies wildly a depending on what time you're calculating so if you're just saying how long does it take the editorial side to work on a super guide that is very different than how long does it take a super guide in general to be put together also the length of the books has a huge impact on how long it takes for them to be produced um, primarily from the editing and copy editing side but also putting it together as an ebook uh, was really difficult um, the average book, and then there's also the iBooks offer process, which is completely different and brand new and has its own other challenges and fun attached to it. Uh, the average ebook takes around, I'd say, um, if you're talking about an ebook that's 40 to 90 pages, you're looking at anywhere from 60 to 70 hours of work between um, the editors, the copy editors the design staff production and marketing of the book, which is really, I mean, it's not that many hours, but uh, for a team of, we only have about six people working on the ebook staff, it's, it's pretty mammoth, which is, it makes it exciting. It's, it's like working on a tight-knit team tasked with saving the world one how-to guide at a time. <laughs> so you also um, spoke at Singleton. Uh, was it I did. Last year? <laughs> Last, yes, last year. And one of the things that stuck out to me from this talk, um, and I think it was kind of quite what the, the talk sort of went, was focused around, was the insane workflows that you have hacked together <laughs> to try and, you know, get from, uh, like, say, for example, the Word document or whatever mm. that's being submitted to you to the one of the many ebook formats that comes out of the other end. Um, you're kind of right at the forefront of, of the ebook stuff because you know you guys are building things for a techie audience so you're trying to stay ahead of the curve um, and trying to use all the great features that are available to you and you're also sort of 
showing computer stuff, which needs typically video and, and images to, to really help tell the story. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel like you're at the forefront? <laughs> um, in some ways, yes. I have to give so much credit um, to the ebook production groups online right now, especially Liz Castro, who publishes a website called Pigs, Gourds, and Wikis. She really inspired me to kind of take the next step and really look at how we were producing our ebooks and how we could make them better. Um, the first year or so that we were doing them, it was pretty much at that point um, when I first started. We were only doing PDFs and had, I think, done one book as an EPUB for Apple's iBooks format because iBooks had just come out that March. Um, we're like, oh, well, maybe this is an interesting field, an interesting avenue for us to go towards. Kindle at the time was so mammothly impossible to put together that it just wasn't worth doing for a small production um, and instead, we were focusing the majority of our efforts on making really nice-looking PDFs that people could also print on demand. Um, and when I started working for Macworld, and as as I got more and more involved with the program, and after Heather left, uh, it became okay. Less of a focus on the PDF and the CD and the print-on-demand books, and more a focus on the ebook stores, which were just exploding. Um, first task was making an EPUB that just was readable, which it was very difficult uh, with older versions. We were working primarily in InDesign uh, because that's where the PDF layout came out. And at that point, PDF and print was king. So instead of working towards a digital format, we were really working towards a print format and then trying to cobble together a digital format from the ashes of the print format, uh, which spent, it took a lot of time of cleanup. It used to take to make an ebook out of um, out of our print publication or out of our, our print version of the book, it would take me sometimes a week and a half, two weeks of cleaning up HTML tags and search and replace and regexes and compiling. And wow. there were way too many people that it was going back and forth to. We would send it to our art director to compile rather than compiling it ourselves. It was. It was a nightmare. It was just a back and forth process and, and really awful. So um, a couple of years ago, um, when Pages uh, allowed EPUB export, our, uh, our friends at Tidbits were doing some EPUB exports with their take control guides using Pages. And so we said, well, what the heck, we'll give it a try. Um, and we'll work out this new, this new format because also the... I want to take a step back for a second and talk about the editorial build of these ebooks in that our ebooks, you know, most books when you think about them, technical books, fiction books, they usually have one maybe a maximum of 3 authors and then one or two editors working on it. So, when you're going back and forth between your writers, you don't have a lot of people to communicate with. Our ebooks in contrast pull how-to content and ask our writers to write new how-to content from all over Mac's sphere of influence, which means for any given book, we might have 7 to 20 contributors. Um, and as such, putting that together, that book together and making sure that the message stays clear after a copy edit and after everything's been put together can be really overwhelming, especially for one person um, 
or two people, myself and Heather, to edit uh, and put together. So the pages workflow was in part a way to address this, okay, we have so many contributors and all of these people who we could potentially be putting towards our workflow, but instead are kind of uh, hindering it and, and keeping us from, from shaving off some time off of these enormous projects. Uh, so we started saying, okay, well, we may have writing from 20 people for this book, um, but we know that these six people on staff are experts in this field, this field, this field, this field, and this field, um, all of which get touched on in the book. So we're just going to assign each person sections of this book where I will, you know, I would take the initial manuscript of all these how-to articles, put them in rough form together so that they were all in, say, um, an iPhone book is a really good example where, say, there's a chapter on productivity, a chapter on troubleshooting, and a chapter on multimedia. Uh, the troubleshooting chapter, which might have been comprised of, oh, I don't know, eight or nine how-to articles would be sent to our senior editor, Christopher Breen, who would then look that over, make sure all of that information was correct, tighten it together, and send it back to me. And multimedia might go to our, se- our executive editor, Jonathan Seff, to tighten up, fix some wording, add some new screenshots, send it back. Um, so in our previous form of putting these books together, that would have required that all of our editors have InDesign, which was at the time a really out, not outrageous request, but it was, it was a little bit beyond the pale. It was a little bit not necessarily something that could be easily achieved without a lot of hardship and some tooth pulling. Um, so instead, we're like, well, everybody can get pages. Pages is $10, and the majority of everybody has that on their machine already. Um, And so if we work from pages in our manuscript and then put it into InDesign, then life will be so much easier. (laughs) And yeah, it it kind of was. (laughs) Um, Our main problem was thinking, oh, well, we want to do this pages layout version and we also want to do this InDesign layout version. And we started getting problems with updating and parity because we would do all of the work in pages and then pages would go out to EPUB and later to Kindle we started experimenting with, then our poor designers would have to relay out all of that text and all of those screenshots in an InDesign file for the PDF and print market. And that was, that was exhausting for them. That Again, one of those things where you think this would take less time and it probably did take less time than our previous version but it's still after we did a couple of books that way we were just shaking our heads and saying this is this is creating so much extra work for the art department who's already looking at our pages files um so we ended up going to the workflow that we have now which is a variation on that um instead of working in pages we work in word which while i am not a huge fan of word um word has a lot of great hooks into indesign where if you have if you make a template a pre-styled template sheet in Word, um, all of those can hook into a pre-designed InDesign style. So you can style everything in Word um, and work on the manuscript there. And then as soon as the manuscript is ready to essentially be quote unquote printed, it goes into the InDesign template, 
And because the InDesign template has already been made, the art department basically has to do a spot check. And rather than having to hand build everything and do crazy layouts and the way that it's imported, it's all imported in a flowing layout rather than in fixed with images in fixed places. It makes it a little less pretty than, say, a uh, one of our print layouts for the Macworld magazine. Um, but it makes it very simple to export to a variety of formats. Also, so, Word is like Word has incredible change tracking and stuff. Absolutely. Yes, especially when you're tossing it between multiple people, and we often are, the change tracking is a lifesaver. And Paige's change tracking is not terrible, but it really it pales in comparison to what Word can do. And as, as much as I'm frustrated with Word sometimes, I have to admit that it is far the superior program here. I filed many tickets when we were working with Paige's uh, to the Apple team. And the iWorks team saying, here, here are my seven things that if you would just do this, it would make Pages the perfect program for working EPUBs. Unfortunately, I sent all of those immediately after iWork09 was released. And as we know, Pages hasn't really gotten touched since then. No. So, uh, so I'm afraid I was a little bit shouting into the void there. But maybe not, because now we have iBooks Author. And that's an interesting program, which I'll touch on probably later. Yeah, we're going to get to that. Yeah, um, but yeah, our modern our modern ebook workflow basically breaks it up into three stages: the writing stage, the layout stage, and then the ebook stage. And as we go through, little pieces break off um, into the varied formats. So in the writing stage, everything's done in Word. We put all of our templates together. We put all of our images in the Word template. Um, we send it to our contributors. We get it back from our contributors. We send it to our copy editors to make sure we don't have any egregious spelling errors or, or tactical mistakes. They send it back to us. And then it goes to Art, who drops that Word template into InDesign. It flows into the InDesign template, hopefully seamlessly. Uh, usually it goes pretty well. Then we do a last spot check in InDesign to make sure everything's copied over properly, to make sure there aren't any styling errors, there aren't any egregious things that we've missed, last-minute checks. And from there, um, InDesign, we export immediately to PDF. So we have that PDF version of the simplified InDesign template. And then we export to EPUB only. Um, InDesign does have tools now for exporting to Kindle, uh, but I will always work from an EPUB file first, which I'll explain why. Um, when, you separate, uh, when you separate formats, it becomes harder and harder to change things if you want to say, you know, correct if you make a spelling error or uh, if you're saying that iPhone, you're, if you're saying iPhone 5S when you mean 5, uh, which definitely has happened. Um, when we get corrections, if we had to go through and fix each format individually, it would become very, very difficult and very much of a pain. We've done it before, but it, it turns what should be 20 minutes of corrections into five or six hours. Um, so instead, we try and keep everything going straight from InDesign. So if corrections need to be made, um, they'll either be made in InDesign and in our initial EPUB export, 
or um, just an InDesign and we'll re-export the EPUB. Uh, we've got also, I, I work with a spectacular post-production team. We didn't used to have a post-production team for eBooks. We used to do it, the editors used to do everything themselves, which was a little bit crazy. The marketing, the post-production, everything. Um, and we now have people uh, who, who help do that for us, thank goodness. So our, our, our post-production team is two people. Um, Nancy Jonathan's and Tamara Gargas, both of whom are spectacular. They do all of the work for Macworld and PC World magazines in terms of getting them on all of the storefronts, both physical and digital, and prepping all of those files. And Nancy volunteered last year to start taking on some of the ebook post production work because partially she was curious on what I was doing because she's like, You're always tinkering. It looks so much fun. Uh, and partially, she just wanted to take some heat off of the editorial department, which was really kind of swamped. Uh, so Nancy and I started working on a way to automate a lot of the things that I had been basically hand-correcting in each EPUB file every time it got exported, which, again, it's a lot of effort. So if you're spending 12 hours hand-correcting an EPUB file, that's less time that you'll be spending working on a different book. Um, so when Nancy and I got together, we put together basically a CSS style sheet, much like uh, what you would put together for a website. An ebook on its, on its end is, you know, crack it open. It's basically just modified HTML, CSS, and JavaScript. So it's a really simple, there are some, you know, cl- the, the file format that encloses around it is a bit complicated, but at its heart, ebooks are really, really simple. They're kind of like working with the web circa 1997, where not all formats or not all CSS commands and not all tags work with every kind of ebook, but by and large, you can kind of figure out how something's going to look based on basic HTML and CSS knowledge, which is really awesome. Uh, so Nancy and I sat down and said, okay, let's make a CSS template, and InDesign has a place where you can basically insert that CSS template, and it will automatically assign styles. So it's like, all right, your header style is automatically assigned to this CSS style, and such, and so on and so on. Um, so we were using CSS to rebuild some of the things that we couldn't necessarily show in InDesign, like colored headers or fancy borders for our for our images um for certain stylings for our captions so we really tried to make those books as nice as they possibly could look on epub simply by our knowledge of html and css and mike i don't know if you've if you've read a lot of uh ebooks on the platform but uh either on ibooks or on kindle but if you have, you may have noticed, you know, some some ebooks are put together really well. Other ebooks kind of look like they're last minute, kind of like, oh gosh, we need to have something on this platform. Press export and be done with it. <laughs> yeah, there is some definite differences in the way that the formats look, and and I want to get to that in just a moment with you, Serenity. But I just want to take a quick break to thank our sponsor for this week's episode, if that's okay. Go for it. So I want to take a quick moment to thank Squarespace.com, who give you absolutely everything that you need to make an amazing website. Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it easy to create your own space online for a free trial. And 10% off, go to Squarespace.com and use the offer code TALLYHO, T-A-L-L-Y-H-O. Squarespace is constantly updating their platform with fantastic new features, beautiful new designs, and just even more fantastic support. They have their designs that I mentioned are so beautiful and they you know you can just start with 
exactly what they give you, which is fantastic templates. And you have tons of style options that you can adjust so you can really create your own space online. Squarespace takes care of hosting, SEO, and even make sure that your site is going to look fantastic on any device because all of their templates feature responsive web design. It's so easy to use, Squarespace. You can just so simply put some pages together using their drag-and-drop tools. But if you need any help, Squarespace has an amazing support team who work 24 hours a day, seven days a week. When you go to squarespace.com to sign up, as I'm sure that you will, you want to check out their new homepage that they've just uh, unveiled. It's, it's really, really nice to look at so you can see, you know, how great and how much they care about design, but they also have some beautiful videos that really give you an indication as to the types of different things that you can create using Squarespace, no matter what sort of site that you want to create. They have the tools that you need. And as I mentioned, you can try Squarespace out for free. You can get a free trial, no credit card required to do this. And if you decide to purchase Squarespace plans, start at just $8 a month and include a free domain name if you sign up for a year. It really is the whole package. And don't forget that you can get 10% off and you can also help support this show if you use the code TALLYHO at checkout. So go check out Squarespace, everything that you need to create an exceptional website. Thanks to Squarespace for their support. I love Squarespace. They're great, right? They're so nice. I was at uh, South by Southwest last year, uh, and South by Southwest is one of those shows where you can just get really inundated with everything going on and you forget to eat. And Squarespace sponsored local Austin food trucks the entire nice. week that were hanging out right outside the convention center. So that was actually the first I'd ever heard of them. And it's like, oh, there's a place giving out free food that will actually nourish you and fi <laughs> fill you up. And then you can also play with their their brand new website development tools while you're standing in line. And it was it was brilliant marketing on their part. It's Really, really cool platform. And Squarespace 6 turned 1 today, so happy birthday, Squarespace. Aww, happy birthday, Squarespace. <laughs> so, Ren, do you have a favorite file format to work in? Like, oh, gosh. As in <laughs> iBooks, Kindle. Do you have a favorite? Uh, I think my I'll have to go with the EPUB format just because it's the format that I've been working with the longest. And even though it's touchy, I feel like it's kind of like the pesky younger brother where you know it so well at this point that you just, uh, <laughs> you're like, despite your flaws, I still love you, you silly thing. <laughs> um, it's, it's also grown over the years. EPUB 3 is a vast improvement upon previous versions of the spec. Uh, the introduction of JavaScript to ebooks makes them really interesting to think about. Like I'm, our, I'm always teetering on the idea of what really makes a useful ebook for people. You know, you look at uh, these interactive content uh, designs on the web and also in books, and occasionally you can get a little bit overwhelmed because everybody's just kind of throwing these flashy, oh, look at these flashy videos and these CSS animations, um, and we're going to make it really hard for you to actually read the text in front of you. So I, part of me is always you know, conscious in the back of my head, well, we don't want to overwhelm the reader with sparkly you know, gadgets to to overwhelm them. Uh, but at the same time, I think there's a lot that can be added to books that make them really enriching and helpful for people. Uh, I also, sort of as a runner-up, 
I really do like working in the iBooks author format. It's limited right now, and it has a lot of problems that I wish that, you know, I'm like, oh, if, if this would only just be a little bit better, then everything would be perfect. Their templates, for example, um, iBooks author has some great templates. Um, they also make it incredibly hard to build your own, um, much like building your own pages template or keynote template. It's possible and they provide you with all the tools in which to do so, but the documentation is not great in terms of here's what you absolutely must have to build your own template. And beware of these little tiny checkboxes because uh, if you don't, you know, if you don't turn off this checkbox, your text won't be editable from your master template to actually <laughs> using it in a book. Um, I, I, for Maybe a while, you should write the iBook about iBooks author. <laughs> Oh man, I, I've been tempted. Um, although David David Sparks has written some great stuff in iBooks Author, um, yes, he, he he and I were were commiserating with a little bit about it on Power Users and also at MacWorld Expo this year. Uh, it's I do think though it's a really interesting format. Um, I wish my my big hope for iBooks Author right now is that it comes to the iPhone as well as the iPad and. We've already seen it come to the Mac, so Apple's just missing one device in their trifecta. Initially, you would say, oh, well, but iBooks author books are so interactive and so layout-based that you wouldn't want to cram you know, this beautiful big book on an iPad onto an iPhone screen, which I absolutely agree with. But at the same time, um, App iBooks author has from the beginning, from version 1.0, had this portrait layout that when you switch to it would create your text in free flowing so that you could actually resize the text. iBooks author landscape fixed books and portrait fixed books don't allow you to reflow the text like you might with a regular old EPUB. Um, so it has this condition that'll allow the iBooks author book to turn to portrait on an iPad and become reflowing and all of the cool content kind of hangs out on the side or hangs out inside embedded into the free-flowing format. And I look at this and I say, this is 98% of what an iPhone version of iBooks Author should look like with reflowing text because of the small screen and with uh, reduced size uh, embedded images and 3D objects that you can double tap to enlarge. This is what I want to see. So it, it, it frustrates me a little bit that Apple has this spec pretty much built, but they haven't really made the step to, to put it on the iPhone. So we've recently had the announcement of iBooks for the Mac. It's like they can mm. actually be read on the Mac. Is this something that you're excited about? I am very excited about this. Um, partially because it means that I can convince... Uh, I convince our sales department that, yes, indeed, it is good to invest in iBooks author projects. Our numbers on, we've done two iBooks author only projects for Macworld so far. Uh, one last year, an update to that this year, and then a iPad, iBooks only, iBooks author only book called the iPad Office, which we released in April. And all three of those have done spectacularly well, despite essentially being limited to the iPad only, which makes a lot of people in my marketing department very, very nervous when you say things like that. So they're like, but it's publishing. You want to have your text everywhere. You want anybody to be able to read it because mm -hmm. that will, A, help the most people and B, bring in the most revenue. Uh, whereas the iBooks author system is currently vastly limited to just the people who have an iPad. 
And while there are a fair number of people who have an iPad right now, there's still there's fewer than uh, than my marketing and sales department would like. Uh, so so the promise that iBooks author or iBooks for the Mac can read iBooks author books and bring iBooks author books to any Mac user worldwide uh, is really really exciting. Yeah. It gives us an excuse to build more beautiful books for people, and it, it may even be the the last thing we need to kind of snip the PDF cord, uh, especially if uh, if iBooks author comes to the iPhone. I, I told I told my rep at Apple the one really nice thing about working in the eBooks department uh, for so long is that you get to be good friends with the people in the iBook store and, and the Kindle departments. I told one of one of the my reps, I'm like, if you if you put iBooks author on the Mac and on the iPhone, we have an, an extremely good reason to develop solely for Apple pro- platforms because we are you know MacWorld is a Mac, you know Mac and iOS uh, based website. So have being on Kindle is nice, but it doesn't really make us that much revenue. It would really be fantastic to be able to just say yes. Our books are available on all devices, and not only are they available, they're beautiful. They have video. They have they're designed nicely, so they're readable. You know, having these extra perks, I think, is is really really nice for our readers. So, one thing that I guess that the iBooks author has that um, is interesting is that you have like a submission process and stuff like that. You know, like the App Store does, but Mm. For everybody that I know that that has um, submitted iBooks author books, I know a couple of friends that have done it, and I've spoken to David about this too. Um, it seems like everybody has a really good relationship with that team, and there doesn't seem to be as as much upset as the app review team. Yes, absolutely. I would give my my you know take my hat off to the iBook Store review team in that they've always uh, historically been incredibly willing to work with publishers. Uh, on the newer formats and on the current formats. I mean, when Apple started the iBook Store in 2010, it was facing down a, a giant in the form of Amazon, and it it really wanted to provide publishers with a good working environment and a good place for us to to feel comfortable and launch our books. Uh, there's also the the major aspect that I think the iBook Store has going for it is it doesn't have the App Store's moral restrictions um i'm not quite sure how to how to rephrase that but moral restrictions is probably the best uh it's a you don't see books getting censored uh with the exception of that image comics mix, mishap which was later found to be on comicsology apple is really really careful about not censoring books not eliminating books that may be too mature um it really focuses more on the pr- the production quality of your book and not the content within. Because there's uh, even like a lot of um, erotica and romance novels. Yes, absolutely. I know quite a few friends who uh, who make their livings as a pseudon- pseudonymous uh, uh, romance writers. It's uh, surprisingly easy to do in this age of self-publishing. <laughs> Some would argue too easy. Yeah, that is true. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, I I really like working with Apple's review team. Um, I've made a point of trying to have a good relationship with them, uh, especially because you know because we cover Apple stuff, we want to we want to make sure that we have good placement in the App Store or in the App Store in the iBook Store, and we want to make sure that our books don't get caught. Um, 
one of the big books that Apple that um, Macworld does every year is an iOS and a OS 10 sort of everything you need to know to get started and all of the all of the dirt on the new features kind of book. Uh, we did one called Total Mountain Lion last year, uh, as as well as an upgrading to iOS 6 book and an iPhone book and an iPad book. So we really, you know, we're all about being the the experts in this new technology and this new operating system for people to look at. And in order for us to maintain our credibility as the experts, we want to have those books out basically day and date with the operating system and the hardware release. So in order to do that, we really have to, you know, be in constant communication with Apple's review team and saying, all right, we're going to put this book to you. You know, sometimes we're not able to finish the books because of NDAs and other such matters until, you know, the day before the, uh, say, iOS 6 is set to be released. Um, normally, you know, the average review time process is a couple weeks. Uh, so being able to have you know, have that interaction with the review team and say, hey, we have this great book that we've written about your operating system and in order for it to actually do well, we would like it to be released at the same time as your operating system going live. What can you do to, to help that help us out there and, and how can we, you know, get it so that our, our book can be rushed through the queue or get good placement? You know, it's, it's, it's a give and take. It's all about, you know, what what can what can you do for me? What can I do for you? Sort of matter. And you do not get that with the app review team. No, I mean you do. I would maybe, say app. Maybe like yeah. Facebook do. Ma- app marketing <laughs> um, is the marketing team for the app store is a little bit different than the review team for the app store. Sure. Right now, the the iBook store review team and the iBook store marketing team, I think, are more closely knit. Um, and it's a little bit easier to, to talk to people and be like, hey, let's, let's do this and this. Whereas I think the App Store review team, I mean, there are so many millions of apps on the store right now that it becomes very difficult for the App Store to, yeah. you know, the marketing team to have personal relationships with every developer. It does actually sound quite similar to the podcast team. Like, you don't have to do review, but basically the people that, that will feature you and the people that help you with technical things, well, for me, was the same person. Yes. Or it's just the one guy. That I, know. <laughs> I don't know if there is another guy in the UK, but I, t- I have spoken to one guy. And then when that one guy left, he was replaced by another one guy. Um, it's so. just the single, the single face of Apple. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that about the podcast team. Apple has these, these lovely little niche teams hiding away that are just such a pleasure to work with. I'm, I am really grateful that the iBookstore review team has been so great. And... A tip for anybody who's currently publishing on the iBookstore, they have a 9 to 5 hotline where you can call in and ask <laughs> about whatever you want for free. So whether that's something about the review time on your book or you have a question of why can't I update metadata after I've submitted my title or I'm not really sure how to implement this JavaScript. Do you have any ideas? Those the folks manning their support line are so incredibly helpful and have gotten me through many a troublesome sort of part of a, of the ebook uh, production process. So I, I definitely recommend giving them a call if you're an iBook store publisher. That's 
unlike any other type of Apple, like other department, I think. They have a hotline. <laughs> well, <which> is... exactly. <laughs> a phone hotline. Imagine that. <laughs> in, in 2013. So I have so much more to ask you, but I, I'm pretty sure we, we've effectively run out of time. Oh, boy. So I'm going to have to have you back on again. Um, but before yeah, we finish, thank you. Thank you. But before we finish, I want to ask you one last thing. Where do you think the industry's heading? Like, do you think that Amazon is going to just continue to be on top forever, or will their sort of lackluster formats become to bite them in the end, especially for technical books? Yes, I think that Amazon for quite a few years sat on its laurels and basically said, we're the king of the industry. We don't need to innovate. And then the second that Apple came out with the iBook store and then later with the uh, iBooks author, Apple got, or, uh, Amazon got real nervous real fast. You've seen this. Um, people who work in the eBooks industry can kind of see it with, uh, with the format change. Amazon has been using for a long time the Mobi format, um, which is based off an old Palm Pilot uh, eBook format. Imagine that. Uh, and it's just unwieldy and horrible to work with. And so in the last year or two, they've actually started giving publishers tools to build um, build Mobi books using, uh, using this software called Amazon uh, Kindle Previewer. And then they've also switched to this new format, KF8, uh, which is effectively the same thing as an EPUB format. It's just wrapped in an, app, in an Amazon proprietary wrapper. And that allows you to do many of the same EPUB 3 formatting features that Apple's allowing with, uh, with their regular iBookstore books. But Amazon's still a little behind when it comes to the thoroughly interactive books. Again, I'm not sure if thoroughly interactive books in the long run are going to be what people really want outside of textbook and maybe the, you know, technical help industry. Uh, but I do think that Amazon is concerned, to say the least, about uh, where the ebooks field is going. And they're definitely much more actively in it than they used to be. I think Apple has ultimately, they are, you know, they have the reputation for putting out great software and building great platforms for you to, to build books. Right now, it still feels very much like, you know, the early 90s web. I use that phrase a lot. Um, it's everybody's squabbling over everything um, and trying to sort of find their niches. Amazon got out there early. I think there's a good chance that Apple may overtake them with better options and better, you know, more beautiful reading experiences for people. Yeah, it's definitely interesting to see. So, Ren, thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me, Mike. I had a good time. Good. Then I will definitely have you back on again in the future because I still have in my documents so much more that I wanted to talk about. <laughs> so why don't you tell people where they can find you? Absolutely. Well, I am on Macworld uh, as Serenity Caldwell. You can look me up via my violin on Twitter. I am Saturn. That's S-E-T-T-E-R-N. And on the web, I am IWearManyHats.com. Awesome stuff. And uh, you can find me online on social networks, etc. I am iMike, I-M-Y-K-E. Get in touch there. Let me know what you think of the show. Anything that you'd like to see in the future, I'm always, always love to hear that sort of stuff. Thanks again to Serenity for joining me, and thank you all for listening. Until next week, bye-bye.